0: Kind of like the parents are getting called to the principal's office a little bit, but no, it's all good. It's all good. So today is uh, is special just because we do get to hear uh, some testimonies, and I want to just take, before they begin, I want to just take a few seconds to just kind of like make sure we understand why this is such an important thing to me. This uh, whole idea kind of started last year. I literally think that I had the idea, you might have been in the service, that I had the idea while I was up here. And I was like, yeah, let's just go with that idea that I'm thinking about right now. And um, it just started into something where we were able to hear from students and what's going on in their lives and what God's doing in their lives. And I was in a service this past week, and the pastor was talking about how God speaks to us and how important it is for us to value each one of those ways. I mean, there's ways that he speaks to us, right? Through his word, he speaks to us through his presence, he speaks to us through his people, through worship, through a lot of different ways, but especially um, today, we're, we're s- going to be able to see God speak to us through testimonies and through story, and I'm so excited about it that I just really want us to understand how important that is. You, you may not know, I mean, we value all of our volunteers. You guys right on that? You guys good? Like, our volunteers are awesome. Like, give it up for our volunteers. Without them, yeah. Yeah. Without them, this place wouldn't be anything. But i got to tell you a little secret. There's at least 10 college students that have been a part of Second Place this past academic year who um, were able to connect in a way that they were able to get supervised ministry hours. And what that means is that they were here volunteering their time, investing in the ministry here at Second Place. Some of them were required to provide or to give 30 hours, up to 50 hours of time. Now you do that per semester. 10 times 30 is what? 10 times 30 is 300, right? That means that 300 hours were, were given to second place. 600 hours total over the year at a minimum. Do you guys realize that we are experiencing the effect of that investment of time? If you were, that's a huge thing, right? Yeah, you can give it up for that. If If you were to take those hours away from this place and out of the timeline of second place, I think we would feel it in a different way. I think we'd feel a big gap. And so I want to say thank you to all of you students that help out around here, that have invested a lot of time, um, blood, sweat, and tears as well in many cases. Um, But the value of sharing, it really comes from Scripture. Um, Matthew 5 um, speaks of it. Um, Jesus is talking. He says, You are the light of the world. The town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So part of that good deeds is going to be sharing the good news and being able to share the story of what God's doing in your life. So Jesus is saying, hey, don't don't like pack that down. Don't hide that. Like figure it out a little bit and, and find ways to share that. Um, Psalm twenty two. Psalm 22, verse 22 says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. So there's lots of ways to do that. We're in the assembly today. We're going to praise God. The band's coming back. Don't worry. But there's also a way to praise God by simply sharing what God's doing in your life. And then in Psalm 71, Psalm 71 says this, my mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Everyone say all day long though I know not how to relate them all. I mean, stop there for a second. Whenever I'm talking to a student, or maybe to one of you that's here that's not a student, or I'm sharing my story, sometimes when God is doing something in our lives, it's really hard to articulate like exactly what God's doing. And so this guy gets it. He kind of relates to that. And he's like, man, it's just difficult to relate to all the things that God is doing in my life. But I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds yours alone so today today is about kind of like activating those scriptures and saying you know what it's time for us to just hear some stories some hear some testimonies of students and so literally i'm about to walk off the stage and what happens is all up to the students all right and what they want to share so i want you to give it up real big for isabel she is our first speaker all right here she comes So proud of her, freshman. All right, let's go.
1: Hi, so I'm Isabel. Um, So like you said, I'm a freshman this year at ONU, but uh, my story starts a little before that. So um, when I was 13, I was diagnosed with depression. um, And ever since then, depression has been the obstacle in my life that I've never seemed to be able to climb over. Uh, my, in September of my senior year of high school, I tried to commit suicide. Uh, following that attempt, I was hospitalized twice and finished the year in recovery, hoping that I'd be able to put it all behind me. I acted like I was confident and trusted in God, but really I was ready to crumble at any moment. Fast forward to the start of freshman year, and one thing after another kept happening. Uh, I struggled to find friends. I let all the stress in my classes overwhelm me, and I relapsed and started self-harming again. I kept praying and asked God why this was happening to me. I thought everything bad that had happened the previous year was gone, but it had come back to haunt me. Um, I was depressed all the time. I forced myself to act happy and build shallow relationships with others, but none of it would last. Um, It made me depressed that I was living this way, and I fell further down into my depression, to the point where no one here and no one back home wanted to be around me. Uh, I felt really alone. Uh, I was suicidal, I was scared, and I felt my faith slipping further and further away. I still prayed constantly, but it was more obligatory and they were more or they were less meaningful every time. I questioned if God was there. I let Satan get in my head and I knew he was winning, but I didn't have the energy or strong enough belief that God could save me. Around this time, fall revival started. I went every night, but one night in particular changed my life. Uh, Everything the speaker said that night uh, I connected with, um, I felt like he was talking directly to me. Towards the end of his talk, he invited people up to the altar to pray and surrender to God, to put their trust in him. So if any of you know me, um, I usually am pretty hesitant to do things like this. So I don't usually get up in front of people and be vulnerable. So I'm not really sure why I'm doing this. Um... So today is the exception. Um, I had this nagging feeling that I needed to go up to the altar. So I stayed in my seat arguing with myself for a while because I knew God was telling me to go to the altar, uh, even though I didn't want to. So I eventually went, and I went to the altar and prayed, and people came and prayed with me. Um, I prayed asking God for forgiveness for ever doubting him, and for I asked him to guide me, um, onto the path that he laid out for me to show me his love, so I surrendered to God, and in that moment, I put my trust in him, and it was the most incredible feeling. Um, I truly felt Christ with me more than ever I ever felt before in that moment. If I could describe the feeling, it was like a huge weight had been lifted off my chest i couldn 't stop crying, I was so overwhelmed with god 's amazing power, and it doesn't even amazing doesn 't even begin to justify it. So since the Fall Revival, unfortunately, I had slipped back into my old ways. My faith had been tested, and I overcame many obstacles. Um, I questioned if my home was at ONU. Uh, I questioned, again, if God was really there. I questioned my value and my importance in life, and I fell back into a period of depression. Everything I heard and believed at Fall Revival was gone. Uh, Eventually, Spring Revival rolled around, and I connected with that speaker on an even deeper level. Um, this time I was really ready to change, and I felt on my heart that I could do this and follow through with my commitments instead of giving into the lies and the pain that Satan um, put on me. God, I felt that God was walking beside me and would be there the whole way. So I continue to struggle with my depression and find myself having doubts, but I know that it's normal, and when I have these doubts, I can pray and seek guidance instead of giving up. My story is complicated and involves a lot of ups and downs, but now I can rejoice and be thankful that I have a growing relationship with Christ. This experience has shown me firsthand and on a completely different level the love Christ has for us. He reveals himself in his perfect timing, not ours, and no matter if we feel God in some crazy life-changing experience or in some small sighting, he is there and always will be no matter what we go through.
2: Hey guys, um, before I start, can we please give it up for Isabel again? Oh, that was great, that was great. I always take stories like that to heart because I don't know how to deal with them. Like I've never been someone who dealt with that. So when people do deal with it, I think that's incredible. So I, especially when people who don't talk in front of crowds, um, I'm very comfortable doing that. So, you know, when people don't, that's props. So, you know, that's, that's awesome. I'm really glad you came up here and spoke. Um, yeah. Um, so my name is Sean, um, I'm from New York. Um, and this is my, my last Sunday here. I'm leaving on Wednesday, um, and I'm incredibly blessed and thankful to be able to spend my last Sunday talking to you guys here at Second Place, because this is an awesome church, um, and I love this place. Um, so, you know, I was sitting in my room this morning praying that, you know, the person before me didn't do some super crazy, like, spoken word, and I'm up here with, like, my eight-point crap, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. That was a powerful testimony, but Thankfully, I didn't get blown out of the water, so we're good, we're good. Um, but um, I'm going to start my story with a story from God's word. So in Luke 24, you have these two disciples, and they're walking down the road to Emmaus. And the thing about these two disciples is that all their hopes and dreams have just been shattered. Like everything that they thought was going to happen was gone. And they had this, this powerful man named Jesus. He was doing all this crazy stuff. He was healing people. He was raising people from the dead. Things like that hadn't happened, right? And, and all of a sudden, he's dead, and they don't know what to do. They're freaking out, and they're depressed, and they're walking into the sunset. Everything they thought was going to happen did not happen. Everything they wanted to happen didn't happen, right? And so that's where my story starts, and I should probably explain how I got there, right? So if you were to ask me two months ago how my life was going, I would have told you, man, it was going, it was going pretty good. And everything was perfect, obviously, but, like, it wasn't awful, right? Two months ago... Um, I had a plan. I had a plan, right? Olivet was going to be my home for the next four years. I'm settled. I'm in the zoology major. As you can see, actually, my major is not zoology anymore. I changed that, um, and I'll explain why soon. But um, I had an amazing relationship. Nothing was perfect, obviously, but there it was, right? Actually, at this point, see, April's, it's April 29th, right? It's April 29th today. Two months ago it was right after spring break, actually. So I had an amazing time going over to my friend's house, um, even went over to uh, the person I was in a relationship, went over to her house, met her family. It was an amazing time, amazing time, amazing time of blessing. Um, and so slowly, one by one, academic, plan-wise for the future, relationship taken away, one by one, destroyed, actually. Um, now I'm a very indecisive person, right? If you were to come up to me and say, like, Sean, like, pick a number between one through five right now, it would take me 10 minutes. Like, I don't, I can't do it. Like I'm very indecisive, right? I didn't even know if I should do this. I was like, I want to do it now, but I did it. So, um, you know, so here I am walking on the road to Emmaus, walking to the sunset, and everything that I thought was going to happen didn't happen, right? So I'll go into a bit more detail. Um, as far as my, my time at Olivet, I started reading um, the books of Matthew and Acts, and they started talking about all this different ministry stuff, and I thought, man, that's awesome. Like, I want to do ministry. Like, I can do that. And then I didn't expect to God to take it where he did. Because God started calling me and saying, what if I'm calling you to leave Olivet to do it? And I thought, man, I can't do that. I'm a freshman. I just started. Like, I love Olivet. I love this place. I don't want to do that. And as time progressed, there was a confirmation period where he just kept telling me, that's what you got to do. And so now I'm going through that, right? My plan is falling apart. Four years, now I don't know what's going to happen. In the midst of all of that, I have to look into the eyes of the person I love and hear them say, I can't do this anymore, we're not gonna do this. And, you know, it was a good, it was a good, um, good time. It was a good, um, you know, for good reasons, but still, the heartbreak, the heart-wrenching pain was unimaginable in the moment. So now, my plan for the future is, is shook, right? My relationship is non-existent anymore. And now, I'm not sure what I'm being called to do. So now it comes the call to action. I'm sitting here in second place, actually, and uh, Pastor Joe is standing up here. He's talking about Nathaniel, and you know, it wasn't until he said, "Jesus said to him, um, you know, if you come with me, you will see greater things than this." And so I thought, well, what if Nathaniel decided to stay under that tree? If I'm sure he could have worked out, I'm sure it would have went well. I'm sure if he had stayed under the tree, he could have become a member of the church later. But he ended up becoming an apostle because he decided to step out and act in faith. So here I am now, challenged. Do I stay in the comfort of all of that? Or do I leave um, to do something greater? Will I see greater things? And so then it kind of came into April. And I have dubbed April of 2018 as almost like the month of pain. I was put through so much throughout this past month. Um, I was faced with my greatest fears. Everything that I would not have wanted to face, I had to face. And everything I would have liked to happen was taken away, slowly but surely. And I had to come to terms with that. I had to come to grips with that. And it was tougher than you guys can imagine. Tougher than I'm making it seem right now. Um, It was hard to come up here and be able to speak about that. Um, And at this point, right, Jesus comes into the picture. Because in the story, um, in the road to Emmaus, as they're depressed, as they're talking to each other about what's going on, Jesus comes in and he says, what's wrong? As if he doesn't know, right? He's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And they're like, all this stuff has just happened. Everything that we thought was going to happen, we were really hoping this guy, Jesus, would be the one. And he said, "What, what things? What things are happening? Right? That goof, like he didn't know. Right? So he's like, you know, what What things? And so, you know, they explain it to him. And so he spends the entire time explaining the scriptures to them. And eventually they understand who he is. And almost overnight, there was a change in my heart. All of the, I was carrying such a heavy burden. And, you know, there were a few scriptures that I'll show at the very end very quickly. Those three scriptures that got me through. Um, But at the very end, the disciples turn around and they're walking towards Jerusalem. Now, Now they're not walking into the sunset, they're walking into the sunrise and they're walking back to Jerusalem with a new fire in their hearts and a new, renewed fire um, in their spirit because they had just met the Lord and they'd understood what just happened um, and what was going on. So that's where I am right now. It took a long time. It took a lot of pain. It took a lot of refinement. It took a lot of strength that was not my own to get to this place where I could stand up here and talk to you guys. Um, But uh, it just got way louder. Um, But the disciples then went to the 12 or the 11, and they explained to them what happened. And that's what I feel like I'm doing right now. I'm running to you guys, the disciples, and telling you what he did and what's been going on and what's happening. So interestingly enough, actually, it's the verse of the day today, if you have the Bible up. It's the verse of the day. Um, the verse is um, in Matthew. It's Matthew 11, and he says, Come to me, all you who are, who are heavy laden and bear heavy burdens. I will give you rest. And I did not understand what a heavy weight I was carrying by trying to clench that pain that I was feeling as my own. That's my pain. I can own that. You know, this is, no one else knows what I'm going through. The truth is, it was never mine. Um, He gave all of that to me, and now he might be asking me to take it, to give it back. And I don't know if that's the the case or not. Um, And the thing about my testimony is that it's not something from the past. This is the last two months of my life. I'm still going through it. I still don't know what the heck is going on. I'm still hurting like crazy. I'm still you know, going through it, but um, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, he says, forget the former things and do not consider the things of old. For behold, I am doing a new thing and you will see it. I will make streams in the desert. I will make rivers in the dry places. That was the first one. The second one was 2 Corinthians 6.10, where he says, we consider ourselves ministers of God Sorrowful, but always rejoicing. Poor, yet making others rich. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. That's how I felt this past month, having nothing and yet possessing everything at the same time. And lastly, Romans 12, 12, right? So Paul says, be patient in affliction, joyful in hope, and faithful in prayer. And that's how I was able to get through that this past weekend. so I just wanna to say to you guys, I don't know who in this crowd is going through what. I mean, many of you are students, many of you are just finishing, many of you don't know what's coming up next semester, if there is a next semester, or if God's calling you to do something rather tough. And you know, I'm here to tell you that whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you believe, he's proud of you. He told me he was proud of me, and I, I spent one morning crying my eyes out because I didn't, had no idea what to do. I was hurting like crazy. And I heard the softest whisper, and he said, I'm so proud of you. And I couldn't take that. And so I'm here to tell you guys that your Heavenly Father is proud of you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what all that's about. And in a surprise twist of events, um, the person that I've been talking to you about, um, the person that, um, you know, that was with me through all of this. That person is actually here today, and I'm not gonna give them any more attention than I already have on the stage. I'm, probably, I'm sure they probably already hate me. <laughs> but um, you know, I wanted to say that I am proud of you without acknowledging that person, without even looking at them, not drawing any attention to them, that I am proud of you and that our Heavenly Father is too because that was a struggle for that person too. And so um, I praise God for that, and thanks for listening. Thank you for your time, guys. <clears throat>
3: All right, well, before I start, uh, I, I spoke at the 9 a.m. earlier, and uh, my dad's actually chaplain in the Air Force, and in the Air Force, uh, they do two services. They have a traditional service early in the morning. Let's be honest, no one's waking up early in the morning getting hyped for Jesus. At the 11 o'clock, we got a gospel service, all right, and people are getting into it. So if you're feeling something, come on, give some feedback to these speakers, y'all. Like, sick, nasty, sick, nasty, y'all. Like, that is just awesome, all right? So I guess how I should start uh, is telling you guys a little bit about myself. So my dad's a pastor, and there's two types of pastor's kids. There's pastor's kids who are the rule followers, do everything right, and then there's this guy. Uh, Drugs, sex, alcohol, partying. What's up? Hi. Uh, Been there, done that. Thought that 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 was the dream. That was so fun. It's... It's not, y'all. And if it wasn't for the power of prayer. I wouldn't be standing here today in front of y'all, all right? And all of that Nazarene, I feel like there is a lot of tension between those who are very righteous. And, you know, you have your little box of Jesus. And then there's the other people. All right? And you kind of out. And a lot. I, I don't mean to call anyone out specifically, but we're going to call you out. Y'all kind of outcast them. You need to pray for them. Bring everything to the Lord with all prayer and supplication, with the urgency of faith. All right, y'all? We need to be praying for these people. You need to befriend these people. Real friends do not let friends go to hell. They do not let their friends go to hell. Can I get some for that, y'all? All All right? We're going to go into 2 Chronicles. I'm telling you, Chaplain Holcomb, he can go on his iPad, so I'm going on my iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. All right, y'all, those people aren't going to hear the message. Those people aren't going to go for that unless they got someone praying for them. You're looking at six foot five of prayer and supplication from my man Weston Callow back there. All right, dude, like, holy cow. You've, that's awesome, dude. There's so many other people after I gave my testimony at the testimony night that came up to me and told me they've been praying for me. That's unreal. The change is, it's just the most sick, nasty thing. And I love that word, and you guys are just going to laugh at it, and it's fine. Also, based on the testimony night, uh, Sean, yeah, I had to go after people who did spoken word. That was the worst thing Ever. They're up there. Where is she, Kyra? Are you here? I'm sorry. Yeah. What the biscuit? <laughs> that was so good. She's up there like doing this like rap thing about her her whole life, and I just went up there without a a piece of paper. <laughs> Speak from your soul, they said. <laughs> so, uh, I ended up giving my testimony on one of my friend's YouTube channels. She has over forty thousand subscribers. Uh, and it, it was awesome. I'm not going to say sick, nasty. It was awesome. But it encouraged, she challenged me to start my own YouTube channel, my own ministry outreach. So I did. And it was very encouraging until I got to purity. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you, know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like those who do not know God. Um, Just throw out some percents right now. What percent of Christian couples between the ages of 19 and 29 do you think have had premarital sex? Hey, someone was here for 9 a.m. They said 80. (laughs) But that's absolutely right, 80%. And this isn't, this isn't to demonize you guys. This isn't to at y'all. Uh, this is to tell you guys that it's about time to lock down on some accountability in the church. If you can't handle accountability in a relationship with someone else, how on God's green earth are you going to handle accountability with a relationship with God? All right, so go ahead, get your phones out. Probably never heard that. In a church, whip it out. Come on now. If I don't see flashing screens, I'm going to be a little ticked up here. Get your phone out. Text your friend. All right? Text your friend and say, if you're in a relationship right now, say, I need accountability for my relationship. You're my go-to. For a future relationship, text someone and say, hey, when I get into a relationship, I want to talk to you about what I'm going to do for accountability in my relationship. I'm telling you guys, from someone's perspective who has perverted the greatest gift that God has given between a man and his wife. All right? The best thing you can do is to glorify him by remaining pure. So we're going through four-step uh, Four steps of accountability. You've texted your friend. You have accountability to your friend. You have accountability to yourself. You have accountability to your partner or future partner, if I find a girl who's good enough to hang out with me. Um, And you have an accountability to God. All right? These are things that we need to take serious. If we can't do the small things right, how on God's green earth are we going to do the big things? Come on now, y'all. All All right, go ahead, bow your heads. Uh, Dear Lord, uh, thank you so much for such an awesome... You know, worship session at the beginning, and and these speakers have come here today uh, that we would speak humbly, but we'd also speak the truth, uh, and that our message would reach who it needs to. Precious, holy name, all God's children said. Amen. Hello.
4: I'm going to use my iPad, too, so sorry. Uh, hi, <laughs> my name is Ashley. A uh, little disclaimer, I'm actually class of 2020 because I'm squeezing four years of education into five. So that's it. <laughs> you get me for two more years. <laughs> um, so about a year ago this time, uh, I had lunch with a good friend, and he asked me, who is Ashley Campbell's? And I kind of looked at him like, uh, well, she's an RA in grand. She likes music, she likes people, I think she's a good person, I don't know. And he looked at me and said, cool, now who's Ashley Campbell's? And I was just kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) And um, it was through this experience, that I went home that night, and I realized that everything I was or everything that I thought I was was completely rooted in this world and was not rooted in the Lord. At this time last year, i like to say I was dumped four times over. Um, I had a best friend walk out on me. I had two residents basically sit me down and tell me how I didn't do a good enough job of serving them as my time as an RA. And I had my boyfriend of the past seven and a half months break up with me. And this all happened in a span of two weeks. To say I was emotionally wrecked is one thing, but I became so emotionally wrecked that it physically wrecked me. I woke up every day for about two months with searing pains, all throughout my body. I didn't eat for about two months. (laughs) I lost about 35 pounds and was hospitalized four times. At the time, I didn't really know what was going on. I can look back now and say I was so emotionally wrecked that my physicalness took over my body. Um, It wasn't until I went to Panama on a mission trip through school in May that I really gained my, Gave my ground again. Uh, I had the opportunity to share my testimony at a church uh, one Sunday there. And part of my testimony is talking about how the Lord will provide. And my family, uh, my freshman year of college, we were evicted from our home. And for a while, we didn't know what we were doing. But ultimately, like, the Lord provided through that. We were in, we found a place. Everything's good now. But at the time, it seemed pretty hopeless. Uh, About two days after I shared my testimony, I got to sit down with a woman Uh, while we were painting a church, and she said to me, well, she was speaking Spanish, so I'd have someone translate, but (laughs) uh, she was talking about how her and her four little boys and her husband were losing their home. And I thought back to a year ago, literally this time, how I was going through the same exact thing. And it was through this that I realized our trials, our past trials do not define us, but when utilized correctly, I truly believe they shape us. we have a lot of conversations about what identity looks like in the Lord, but what comes, what's after that? What, what comes after we gain our ground, we gain our feet? Like, where do we go with it after that? How do we build up? Um, something over the past year that I've really become passionate about is hearing people's stories, which is why something like this and tonight is so great, because we get the chance to just hear people's hearts and hear where they are in life, and I think that's a truly powerful thing. Something about me is I'm really bad at surface-level conversation. Um, anybody who knows me would know I just smile and I nod a lot, and I'm like, <laughs> um, but if you sit down and you want to tell me where your heart's at, we could talk for hours. Anybody else who knows me knows that as well. Um, but I feel too often we don't talk about our past mistakes. We don't. We don't bring the real things into everyday life because, well, we have a ton of reasons. We, I think, too often we tell ourselves the lies that there's. It's too too bad. No one. No one would be able to relate. We say that. We tell ourselves all these things, and we say that nothing that we do or nothing, like there's no redemption in that. And guys, when we put ourselves in that hole by ourselves, that's where the enemy finds us. When we seclude ourselves from people and we take away the relationships and the vulnerability, that's where the enemy can speak lies into our lives. And something that I've been asking myself lately is why do we let Satan take captive of the things we should be laying at the cross? And... (laughs) I just want to let you guys know that a year ago, I was broken physically and emotionally. And I'm not perfect, but I let my identity become a bad friend, a bad RA, a bad girlfriend. I was everything what I thought I was, everything that the world said I was. But as Joe talked about last week through um, if Jesus is blank, then I am blank. uh, Something that touched my heart. As praying over this message was, if Jesus is my identity, then I am free. I truly believe that the second I was able to stop letting my past hold me back and, and build me up, is when I was able to firmly plant who I was in Christ, because our past does not define us, but yes, it shapes us. But we have to own that and be confident in that. Uh, 2 Timothy, give me a second. Second Timothy four sixteen through seventeen says. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and that all Gentiles might hear it. People will let you down. People will walk out. You may get dumped four times over, but our Heavenly Father will always be by our side. He is righteous. He is stable, and he wants us to proclaim his name, and he wants us to be speaking for him. And I would just like to encourage you guys in sharing your stories, and thank you for listening to mine.
1: Hi,
5: guys. Hi, Brad. So if you spent literally any time with me, you won't be surprised when I say that I left my notes at home. Um, <laughs> you'll also know that I don't wear shoes here, right? Uh, because this is home. You take your shoes off when you go home. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, but one of the things that kind of sucks about home is that's where you have some uncomfortable conversations. Um, that's where you talk about the things that you need to talk about, because those are your people and you guys are my people. Um, we're each other's people, we're a community. Uh, this is where we spend our time. This is where we invest ourselves. Um, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, all of that. Um, so when Joe was talking a few weeks ago about coming to do this, and he said, tell your story, right? Um, and I started thinking about what my story looked like. And I turned here, um, my handy-dandy journal that I write everything in. Um, and I started flipping through, right? I started flipping through all like the thoughts that I'd had at random times, the stuff that I wrote down at church. Um, I also talk with my hands. so sorry if I do something like that. Um, But one thing that I found that kind of resonated as I wrote, embrace your undoing, right? Um, And I didn't know what to do with that, uh, I guess. So I started thinking about that phrase, I guess, in the context of my life over the last four years um, in the spiritual growth, I think, that I've made um, or detriment. Um, But just everything that's happened and thinking about what that looks like, right? Embracing your undoing. Um, And I (laughs) sent Joe this around Easter time thinking about what Jesus did. Right. Uh, when he died on the cross, we say he died for us, but we don't think about the part where it says he became sin for us. He became that thing that was like antithetical to himself. He undid himself uh, to the highest degree for us. Right. We don't think about that. Um, so what that looks like for us, I think, is. Um, is we're handed these things all throughout our life, right, by our parents, by our pastors, by our church, by our friends. We're handed these things that we're supposed to believe about faith, about the Bible, about ourselves, and we just stick them on, right? We slap them on and we say, good, thank you for this, and stick it on yourself. And you think that it's it's protective, it's, it's comforting. Um, and this is the hard conversation part. We are told things about Stuff that we may not always agree with, right, like women preaching, right, or LGBT kids in the church, or about, like, what it looks like to give, or about baptism, right, or about, right, Catholics or Protestants, things like that, all this stuff that, you know, whatever you might believe, we're just handed something, right, and we just believe it because that's what we do, right, we don't think about it, we don't engage it, Um And I think that's part of what embracing your undoing looks like, is you start to pull that stuff off and actually look at it. You don't just accept it. You don't just say, thank you, person, and stick it on yourself. You pull it off and you think about it. You engage it. Um, You ask yourself, why do I believe this, right? Is this the Holy Spirit talking to me, or is this comfortable? Because pulling those things off, it hurts. (laughs) It sucks. It starts to tear down the way that you look at the world. It starts to tear down the way you look at yourself, even. Um, because those things, you think they're defining you, you think they're giving you shape, um, they're giving you form and they're comforting, but they're restricting you, right? It's like a plant. You stick it in a tiny pot and it only grows so big and it's time to break that pot off yourself. It's time to undo yourself a little bit. Um, But pulling those things off Like, that's where you find freedom. That's where you find grace. That's where you find redemption. That's where you find mercy. Um, As cliche as it sounds, it's really in those, like, tense places. That's where you grow, right? That's where Jesus meets you Um, because you're no longer defining yourself by what you think. You're defining yourself by the love that Jesus has for you. Um, uh, Flipping through this, again, I'm a little bit of a nerd for sleeping at last. Um, And one of the things that I found... Um, was a lyric from one of his songs, and it says, we're nothing less than a work in progress. We're sacred text on Post-it notes, right? That's what we are. We're these flimsy things, we're these temporary things, but we're that sacred text, right? It's it's a juxtaposition of we're kind of broken in a mess, but at the same time, we were made good, we were made holy. Um, and it's finding that in-between place that's scary for some people, right? It's stepping into this unknown area with God and coming and saying, I don't know anything right? All this stuff that I believe, all the stuff that I've accepted and just gathered, right? I'm giving it up because that's not from you, right? That's from the people around me. And I, I value it and I trust those people and I love them so much, but you are what I'm walking with, right? We're doing this, God and myself. You know what I mean? Um, I'm so off of this. Uh, coming back to something that uh, I wrote down at Revival, they were talking about Jesus casting out demons. Um And he's talking about the man himself um, and what he might have experienced. Jesus said, be gone. And the man fell, thrashed, and shattered. And in the midst of that, he was free because he was whole. Right? Being healed, being made new isn't always a pleasant experience. Um, Giving up those things that are in your life and on you isn't always pleasant. Um, You fall, you thrash, you shake, you shout. But at the end of it, you're made free. You're made whole again, and it's unfortunate, and it sucks along the way so badly because you're giving up that thing that you were sure of. You're giving up that thing that you thought gave your life definition, gave your life meaning, but on the other side of it, you walk more genuinely with Christ. You walk more fully yourself with Christ, Um, and I think coming through that, on the other side, I learned how how little I know, how little I... I am comfortable just accepting, because I don't want to just accept, I want to engage and I want to embrace my relationship with Christ, and yeah.
6: Okay, I know people are wondering why is someone who graduated that long ago standing here on this stage when it's supposed to be... It's. Thank you. Um, when Joe brought up the college coup coming up again, um, I just really felt like God was saying, you need, you need to say something. Um, and it was like, well, but I'm not a college student, but here I am. Um, I want to back it up actually one year ago we did this as well and um, confession time I had a really bad attitude about it I did not like college coup Sunday I did not like that we had to sit through listening to all these different college students talk about what God was doing in their life like I just wanted a regular sermon and a regular Sunday um, so if you spoke last year I'm really sorry <laughs> I I had a really hard heart and like God God needed to work on that with me, um, and over this last year, He really has. Um, during last summer, God kind of challenged me to share a bit of my testimony with the students at boot camp, and so I did. Um, and afterwards, I had a couple of the Annika, Um Sorry, um, I had a couple of the coaches come up and say, "Hey, can we spend some time with you?" And I. W- In my own head was thinking, I don't know why you would want to, but okay. Um, And just kind of felt this, like, nudge. Um, And then it was the Sunday that we did kind of the boot camp um, wrap-up and um, review. Joe made the comment of, you know, these these coaches are coming out every week and are just pouring into these students. um, But nobody's pouring into them. And I just very clearly heard God speak to my heart. You need to pour into them. You need to do this. And I ignored it. I didn't want to listen to that. And again, like I heard it again. And I, I kind of felt like, okay, I, I don't want to be completely disobedient. So I leaned over to my husband, Matt, and I said, uh, we, need, we need to pour into the college students. Like we need, or, and the, the student coaches, we need to have them over to our house. And he just kind of looked at me. He goes along with a lot of things that I say, and I have a lot of crazy ideas. Um, But so we approached Joe, and Joe was like, go for it. Um, And so we started having the student coaches over to our home once a month, um, typically on a Sunday after second service for a meal. And then sometimes we would just hang out and play games. Sometimes we would talk about, like, you know, where are you guys at? How are things going? You know, one time we even did foot washing as a way to say, you know, we're here to serve one another. Um, and we're here, you know. No, no one's better than anyone else. We're all we're all servants to one another. And through that time, we were just so blessed to get to know the different student coaches. But one of the meetings we talked about, you know, like, what do you guys want from second place? What can we do to better serve you? And it came up um, the desire to be a part of families and um, involved with the families, as well as be mentored um, and. I'm pretty sure Matt and I asked like three or four times, like for, for real, you really want to get to know us and you really want to be mentored and like it was this very empathetic, em- excuse me, I can't speak right now. Um, it, it just yes, like we want this. Um, and so we helped start a mentoring program that ran from January through um, last weekend and it was great, like <laughs> And I'm gonna read you a few of the comments that I got back from the survey that I did this week. Um, And this one was from a college student, and it said, this was the best thing I have been a part of. I was really blessed with my mentor, and I didn't think I would have asked for a different experience. This helped me through my roughest semester of my college career, and I'm so happy I said yes to this. It is a great way to connect a college student and families. It opened a door into plugging in like no other. That's not my words. That's somebody who, who because of a conversation, was able to connect. Um, and then even from our other mentors, it people said, um, I'm not 100% sure I did what I was supposed to. However, I got to know my mentee, and we have a kinship now that can never be replaced. Another person said, love the program and being able to do this. And another person who was a mentor said, overall, really like the program. I don't intentionally connect with students because our worlds are so different, but it was a nice stretch for me. And it just reminds me that um, when we step out of our comfort zones, when we look at the body of Christ as um, one body with many parts, we see how we all fit in this Um, and specifically for our family, which is why Annika is up here with me. She's hiding here. Um, these, These college students weren't just college students. They became a part of our family. And so, Annika, what was your favorite Sunday?
4: When they come.
6: When they come. And what did you like about the college students coming over? They played with me. And how did you feel when I told you that they were going to, some of them were going to be graduating, like Austin and Liana, and they weren't going to be coming to our house quite so often anymore? Sad. Did you cry? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, I don't know if that gets you, it gets me, Um, but the fact that, like, the students were no longer students. They they literally became a part of our family. Um, and so, for a second, I'm going I'm to talk to families here. I'm going to talk to you that are not college students. If you did not connect with a college student this year, today, stay for lunch. Get to know someone. Make a connection for the fall, or in the fall when they come back, be intentional. I promise you God is going to change your life the way he changed mine over this last year. Um, college students... If you did not connect with a family this year, find us. We want to know you. We want to be a part of your lives. We want to pour into you. My kids want to play with you. They want to hang out. They want to love on you. Um, it. This is one of the greatest blessings that Second Place has is that we have a community that has both families and college students and so Many different generations that come together every week. And so um, for the college students who are coming from Olivet, thank you for driving 30 to 35 minutes to get here. That that speaks volumes of what you want to invest into your walk with the Lord and your 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 journey and your faith. Um, and for families. Um, I know we can say we're super busy. I live too far away. There's just, you know, so much going on with my kids. I promise you, having a college student in your home and a part of your family is not another burden. It is such a blessing. Um, and I'm just so incredibly grateful that um, God softened my heart and that He called me out on where I was sinning last year and that um, I can stand here today and say that. He truly changed my heart by bringing each and every one of these students here.
0: How many of you know it's not fair that you have Annika up here saying that? That's just not fair. Yeah, that's dirty. Um, So one of the things, uh, we're going to get ready to worship. You guys ready for that? So the, the thing that I want to just highlight is that, um, and by the way, I'm just so blown away at how these students are willing to share up here. You guys give it up for them one more time. One of the things, one of the things that you guys know is that uh, if you've been around here for a while is that I, I can't, I, I say this and I, I often will underline it and highlight is that I can't live your faith for you. And so part of what today is about is about hearing what God's doing in the real lives of people that come here. And, and so they've, they've listened, they've, they've maybe stepped out in boldness and said, you know, I'm going to share, but they, they felt something, they, they sensed something that God was doing in their life. And so I just want to kind of like personalize that for a second and ask you a question, is, is this question, is, is God speaking to you? And it's a simple yes or no question. Is God speaking to you? Yes or no? And if he's not, if you feel like he's not, I'll let you know he still is. And he he simply has one thing to say to you, which is just follow me. Don't believe in me. Don't do all kinds of extra stuff for me. Just follow me, and then you'll believe. But if he is speaking to you, you sense that, here's my next question for you. What's he saying? What is he saying to you? And maybe that, that's uh, something that is very personal to you, that you don't want to share with a bunch of people on a stage. Maybe it's something that you need to share with a friend or a family member. Maybe it is something that you need to share with others. I don't know, but what's he saying to you? No matter where you fall on that spectrum, what I would t- tell you all today is that the best thing you can do, I loved how um, Caleb went back into his journal, and he was like, hey, I wrote this down, I wrote this down, is to write down what God is saying to you. What do you sense God doing in your life? Why is that? Because you can go back in moments of weakness, in moments of challenge, and be like, okay, God, I remember, you are good. You came through that day. You, I remember this answered prayer. These are the things that we build our faith on. Some of you know, I've shared with this with this, a few people, that at the beginning of this year, I wrote down a prayer. I had been praying one prayer in, in 2017, and I kind of kicked it to the curb and said, that's the easy one. God, I'm going to pray the harder prayer. And I wrote that prayer out, and I circled it, and I wrote it down for a reason. Why? Because when he answers it, I'm going to put a big old check mark next to that one. And it's because I wrote it down that I'm able to go back to it. And so same thing for you. What is God saying to you? Write it down. Um, today is, uh, is a time for us to worship God. We're going to have communion available at this table here and at that table in the back. Anytime during the next three songs, you're able to go find communion by yourself with your friends or with your family and just remember what Jesus did. The whole reason, I mean, I didn't tell them they had to use a scripture, they all did. I didn't tell them they had to be as vulnerable as they were, they all were, right? But God is moving and they're remembering. The reason why we can be who we are is because of what Jesus did. He broke down all the walls, man. And I think slowly we're starting to realize what freedom really feels like. So you can take communion anytime, during the next three songs, as well as you can find a spot in the warehouse. You guys know the drill. Wherever you want to go to worship God, sometimes you just need some space, which is totally fine. And maybe listen for what God might say to you during these next few songs. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this moment to be able to worship you. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to speak to us, God. Holy Spirit, we invite you into the room. You've been here throughout, but, Lord, we invite your presence here again to speak to us, Lord. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the relationships between generations. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in the church. And we ask, Lord God, that you would continue your your leading, your guiding, and your speaking as we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, these moments that we have together are really special. And when you have a a time like this where you're like, man, God is doing something amazing, I want to remind all of us that To get to this moment, you got to take some risks. And so when you leave these four walls today, you know, my encouragement to you is to to step out a little bit, is to step out a little bit, because the enemy wants to pull you away from God's love. He wants to pull you away from the light and he wants to stop you from giving that light out to others. So I would just encourage you to just step out a little bit, take a risk. I mean, these students took a risk and, and spoke today. Sean, where are you at, man? How, how many times, how many weeks have you been coming here? Like maybe four, something like that. And you came up to me a few weeks ago and was like, hey, I want to talk. And what would I say? Sure. I said, sure. That was really risky. Like, I don't know this kid. What's he going to say? But God is good, right? God is good when we just let, let, let loose a little bit and risk a little bit for God. So whatever is holding you back today, I would just tell you, step out. Because that's where you need God. That's where you need that faith to to drive is when you step out a little bit into that zone where you can't make sure everything's going to be perfect. You can't accomplish it yourself. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for an awesome time together today. Lord, we are encouraged because you are alive and you are actively speaking to us. Lord, you're speaking to us in so many different ways. Lord, help us to hear. Help us to have ears to hear you, st- those whispers and that small, tiny voice, Lord God, that's telling us, that's nudging us to take a step out into the unknown a little bit. Lord, for those of us where this is our last Sunday here for a while, Lord, we pray, we pray a blessing upon the journey that's ahead. And Lord, for those of us that are gonna be rolling together through the summer, Lord, we pray that you would step with us into that journey as well. Lord, help us to be light in dark places this week. Help us to be your hands and feet, and help us, Lord God, to bring hope and healing and justice and mercy to this world, God. We thank you for all this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.